right, good evening, Summit. How are we? Good. Uh, my name is Kevin. I am the lead pastor of Calvary Church Denver, and I was joking with PT uh, right before this, um, and I said, you know, I just want to watch that video on a loop, and then I'll sit down, and I won't even preach tonight, because that video is awesome. It really does speak to what Mark uh, is about, what Jesus is about, and I'm so thankful that there are talented people that are able to do those kind of things. I have no idea how to make something like that, um, and I'm thankful there are people that are. Uh, I am the pastor of Calvary Denver. Um, it is in a neighborhood you've probably never heard of, uh, Goldsmith. Exactly. Most of you are like, where in the world is Goldsmith? Goldsmith is, is in one of the southern uh, eastern neighborhoods of Denver. So I have a Denver address, I promise. I love Denver. My wife and I have lived here now for seven years. And this is a place where we have grown to uh, love Jesus uh, with all our hearts and to love people both that know him and those that don't know him. And, and truly, one of the things that's unique for us, I think someone had mentioned in, earlier that Jen and I were missionaries overseas. We lived in North Africa. And it was during that time that I really felt like God was calling us to come to, to Denver. And I said, well, why? Why are we going to do this? Uh, I went to seminary, and it was during that time that someone had said, hey, you should be a church planner. And I said, absolutely not. Uh, it's, it's unstable. It's scary. There's so many things that I just don't know. And yet God has continued to use uh, our church uh, for his glory. We're, we're situated in a neighborhood that one in four people are born outside of the United States. We, we've partnered with an elementary school that has a, close to 1,000 kids, 60 different countries, 40 different languages are spoken there. Uh, Jen and I, we live in an apartment complex above us. The family's from the same North African country that, that we were ministering to. Across from us, they're from Guatemala. Below us, they're from Ethiopia. And there's such great need that is there in that part of the city. And I'm so thankful that God is using our unimpressive, tiny, just church full of ordinary people to do great and glorious things for him. And now you're probably saying, okay, why in the world are you standing up here now? Uh, how do you know Brian? How do you know Andy? How, how are you connected to the summit? A couple of years ago, I think it was 2010, Jen and I actually visited the summit. Um, it was when there was only one gathering. It was in that other room. It was much smaller. And, and we got back in the car. I don't know if you remember this, but I, I, I told her, I said, you know, this church is placed in the right spot at the right time with the right people. It truly is. And you guys, I, I just want you to know that, that you're incredibly blessed to have leaders, godly men who are following hard after Jesus as they lead you guys and lead this church to reach this part of the city. Um, something I, I didn't mention in, in one of the other gatherings, but I'll say it now, is there's, there's this mentality as church planners that sometimes it will be battle. We say, well, this is, my, this is my territory. That's your territory. That is definitely not the case uh, with, with my relationship with Andy and with, with Brian. Uh, if anything, I can sleep at night knowing that I don't even have to think about these neighborhoods this church is doing such a great job here in this part of the city, reaching people that I would never be able to reach. Um, and they can do the same, knowing that we're, we're in another part of the city doing the same thing, doing our best to make Jesus known. One of our, one of our statements of our church is, we want to make Jesus not ignorable, meaning there's lots of things in this city that are climbing and grabbing at people's attention. And we want to say that we want that to be Jesus and nothing else. The Denver Broncos grab people's attention, right? A concert comes to Red Rocks, you know about it. You probably go. 
I've actually never been to Red Rocks. I know, you're shaking your head like, what in the world? Who are you? Uh, I've never been there. So if anybody wants to buy me a ticket and take me, that's fine. Um, Okay, Uh, here's here's what we're going to do. Brian had asked me a couple months ago, so long ago, I think there was still only two gatherings. They've added a third, you guys have added a third gathering. Um, And he said, okay, I want you to preach. And I said, all right, well, what's the passage? Hoping that it was going to be something pretty light. Uh, hoping that it was going to be something, you know, eh, just talk about encouragement, talk about something that you want to talk about. And then he said, no, 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 I want you to talk about the crucifixion of Jesus. (laughs) Exactly. I was like, that is probably the worst thing that you could have said. Uh, That is not going to be simple. That is not going to be something that um, is going to be easy for me to do. And yet, as I spent some time in this passage, as I spent time praying and reading it over and over again, the excitement began to grow in me. The excitement to talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, this is like the pinnacle of what you've been studying. I think you've been in Mark for what, two years? You've been, you've been on this road, this journey, learning about the life of Jesus, learning about the teachings of, of Jesus, and now this last couple of weeks you've seen his life coming to an end. This road has been coming to this place, and tonight we're talking about his death. And so what I want you to do, if you've already checked out, you've already said, hey, Kev, I'm done listening. I'm ready to go already. Uh, Write these three things down, if nothing else. There's three things I want you to get from tonight. The cross reveals his love. The cross reveals his love for us. The cross also reveals his lordship, meaning it, it shows us that he's God. And the last one, the cross reveals his perfect sacrifice to God on our behalf. Those three things. If you remember nothing else, you don't remember my name, you don't remember my church, you don't remember anything else, remember those three things as we talk about the crucifixion. Um, Something I I did in preparation for this too, I went back and listened to some sermons, uh, listened to Brian and Andy and some others preach through Mark. And, And one of the things I kept hearing was, this, this phrase that Mark, the, the, the author of this gospel, chooses his words wisely. He doesn't, he doesn't leave out details, and he chooses certain ones on purpose. And that is the case here as we jump into this passage. Jesus' road begins, and he's going to this, this place called Golgotha. And as he's going, he's traveling along this thing called the Road of Sorrows. And, and I, I want us to look at that, verse 21 through 22 And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. Now, here, Mark, he's really short on the details, but what I want you to understand is um, he did that for a reason, because most people that were reading this story that were from from the, the Roman Empire in that time knew exactly what was happening. When he said, this is where they went, they knew what that meant. For us, I, I, I didn't fully understand what that meant. Okay, they went to a place called Golgotha. What does that mean? Well, that means that, that Jesus was led along this road, and he was, he's flanked by probably four Roman soldiers. And these men are taking Jesus through the city on the way to where he's going to die. And, and over the last couple of weeks, I believe you guys have studied just the already intense suffering that Jesus has endured. He's been beaten. He's been whipped. And at this time, he's, he's, his body looks like hamburger meat. 
And, and these, these soldiers said, okay, you're going to not only go to this place to be killed, you're going to have to carry your cross. And this cross is probably a, a 100, 200 pound piece of wood that's laid on top of his broken shoulders. And Jesus is, is forced now to walk through the city. And not just, hey, we're going to go from point A to point B. Let's get there as quick as we can. No, these soldiers took him the longest route possible through the city. And this is on purpose. They did this is because they wanted the people in this city to know, okay, when you break the law, when you go against the Roman government, when you do something that we don't want you to do, guess what? This is what happens to you. This is what's going to happen. You're going to carry your cross and you're going to die. Now, you got to think, there's this man, we, we already talked about Simon, Simon of Cyrene. Think about this. This guy, it says he came in from the countryside. He's coming in for this festival, Passover. He's going to come into town and eat dinner with his family, essentially, and, and he's watching. He's just, Jesus is coming by, and Jesus is stumbling and struggling. And can you imagine one of the Roman soldiers looking around and going, you, I want you to get up, carry the cross. Can you imagine if you're Simon in that situation? <laughs> you don't know this guy at all. You're just on your way to dinner, and, and suddenly these Roman soldiers say, guess what? You're going to pick up this bloodied cross that this man is struggling with. You're going to put it on your back. And you're going to carry it now. So Simon, he's, he's, he's like, well, I, I don't have a choice. I think about every time I, you know, if I'm, if I'm at the grocery store and somebody drops something and I, I see it and I kind of go, I, I, I'm going to go now. Like, you know, my hands are full. I got to go check out. And that person's struggling, Right. Simon, I can feel that in him. He's probably like, ah, man, I'm kind of late right now. I can't carry that cross for you. I'm sorry. But yet, the Roman soldiers are like, no, no, no. You don't get off easy. Pick it up. Let's go. They throw it on his back, and they start going. Now, here's something else you need to know about Simon. As I studied and looked at Simon's life, Simon, he's coming into town because he was a Jew. He's coming in to, st- to, to partake in the festival of Passover. But later we learn in the book of Acts that Simon actually becomes a follower of Jesus. So now the situation, the, what he experienced with that time of carrying the cross and watching what we're going to talk about, watching Jesus die, that changed his life forever. He couldn't, he couldn't interact with that moment with Jesus and not be changed. And so we see that he actually follows Jesus after this encounter. So are you getting the picture here, what's happening? Jesus is being led, led to the place where he's going to die, and it's taking a long time. Look at verse 23 with me. So he arrives at the place of execution. Look at verse 23. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And first time I read this, there's lots of times. I'm not too quick. I have to study lots and I, I read this and said, why in the world did he get myrrh and wine mixed together? What is that about? Well, there's a group of women traditionally that would, would create this concoction of wine and myrrh, and they would put it sometimes on a sponge, and then they would ex- maybe stick it on a stick and then offer it to these guys that were being crucified. And this, this is almost like a narcotic-type concoction that they would give to these guys that are being crucified so that the pain would be dulled, the pain would be lessened. And so... They're offering this to Jesus, and he refuses. And when I read that, I said, well, why in the world would that happen? Why would Jesus refuse that? I mean, if, if I stub my toe, I cry like, 
uncontrollably <laughs> sometimes. I, we have a three-year-old daughter, and she has this thing called the boo-boo stick. I, I don't know where it came from. It's like this little, like, looks like those uh, roll-on deodorant things, and you like put it on your boo-boos, and I love that thing. I use that thing. I put it on everything. I need that. And, and I can't imagine if I'm in this situation that I'm not like, give me all of the wine and myrrh that you can. I don't know what is in that. Give it to me. I want this pain to be gone. Yet Jesus says no, and, and here's why. Because Jesus wanted to have a completely clear and lucid mind. He wanted to be fresh and, and keep his mind and, and be able to endure this suffering with clearness of mind because we're going to see a little bit later, even with his last dying breath, he's saving another man that's being crucified next to him. He wanted to be clear. He wanted to be able to say, okay, I want to take all of this. I wanted to take this fully and, and be ready to, to handle this. So Simon, remember Simon, he's, he's still standing there during this time, probably holding this thing on his shoulders like, is this thing done yet? So he, I'm sure at this point he just dumps it off his shoulders and goes, all right, I'm out, bro. Like, that's you. Go for it. I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what you did, but I'm done. And I can imagine Simon kind of backing away and now he's, he's watching from afar what's happening. And the Roman soldiers see the, the cross there, and now it's time. Now it's time for Jesus to be nailed to the cross. So they roll him onto the, to the beam that's, that's stretched out, and they put his hands out. And they would have taken these, these large like railroad spikes and nailed them through his hands. Nailed his hands to this piece of wood. And then they would lift him up, and he'd be hanging by his hands, and they'd put him over, the cross beam, over on the crossbeams, and then they would put this little piece of wood, just enough for him to stand on. And they'd cross his feet, and they'd put another spike right through both his feet. And you can imagine, I see some of you just with pain looks on your face, and that's, that's, that's just what I, I can't look past. I can't read this story and not be affected by it. I can't look at Jesus' suffering and say, well, that's... that's no big deal. Because the death of Jesus matters, and here's why. He did these things. He was motivated by, remember that first point, he's motivated by love. He's motivated by the love that he has for you, for me, for every person in this room. He did that for that. He did it for you, for that love that he has for you. And Jesus endured limitless pain on the cross during this time. I, I wanted to to try to find, maybe there was maybe a, a journal article that would support what was happening here. And I found something in the Journal of American Medicine. And, and there's a group of doctors that did the most comprehensive study of Jesus' crucifixion ever. So they looked at all the ways um, that it's recorded in the Bible on, on the ways that Jesus died. And they said that, that most likely the, 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 the spikes through his hands and his feet, they would have just torn up his nerve endings they would have crushed all the little metatarsals in his hands and feet. They would have just crushed them all. He would have been struggling for breath because he's having to push up and try to catch his breath, and he's, he's suffocating. He's blacking out because of the loss of blood. He's in and out of consciousness. And, and this journal article, this secular journal article, said this. They conclude that the death by crucifixion is in the very sense of the word excruciating, literally out of the cross. They said that it was possibly then and still would be the most brutal, painful, and horrific way to die. 
But again, all that was done out of a motivation for love for you and me. Jesus endured intense suffering, something that, that you and I will never have to experience, most likely. He did it on our behalf. And if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, there's no room for sophistication or, or emotional detachment from that to say, look, you know what, I'm past, I'm past that part of the gospel. We never get past that part of the gospel, guys. We never move past thinking about Jesus and what he's done for us. I'm so thankful that I see communion up here, and you guys do this every week. Uh, we do that every week at our church as well, and we do that because we want to be reminded of this. We want to be reminded of his body. That's the bread. That's the representation of his body that was broken. And, and the juice is the representation of the, the blood that was spilled on our behalf. And we need to be reminded of that. And, and, and if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, don't ever forget that. Don't ever look past that. Don't ever be desensitized to say, well, his death, yeah, it was, it was tough, I think. No, it was, it was incredible suffering that Jesus endured on our behalf. Now, there's another thing that, that Jesus' death on the cross represents to us, and that shows us that he was God. And here's what I'm saying. Look at verse 25 and 26. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. Verse 26, and the inscription on the charge read uh, against him said, the king of the Jews. Again, in Mark, it doesn't really blow out a lot of detail for us. So if you go to another account of this in the Gospel of John, John chapter 19, there's, there's this man named Pilate. I think a couple weeks ago, if you were here, Brian talked about who Pilate was. And, and Pilate was the, the governor, the Roman governor of, of this area, and he and Jesus had a very intense interaction. He and, he and Jesus were together, and, and Pilate was convinced after his time with him that this guy, Jesus, is legit. He is who he says he is. He is the king. And so in, in John chapter 19, Pilate writes in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, for everyone to read and understand, king of the Jews. And he wrote that with purpose. He said he is the king of the Jews. But there was people, the religious leaders, that said, no, 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 no. Don't write king of the Jews. Write, write, he claimed to be the king of the Jews. He's not really the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, no, no, no. I am convinced that this man is the king of the Jews. And he wrote that with purpose. And, and Mark includes that in his, in his account on purpose because he wants us to know that Jesus, by going to the cross and dying there on our behalf, is showing that he wasn't just a man, that he was God. And we're talking about the death of Christ, but to understand the fullness of the gospel, you have to understand a couple aspects. One, you've got to understand that Jesus lived a life without sin. He did that, something that you and I can't do. He lived a life sinlessly. He died on the cross, which we're talking about tonight. Then he was taken down from the cross and he was buried. And if the story ended there, he would be just like every other man that's ever walked this earth, except it was recorded. But instead, it doesn't end there. The beauty of the gospel is now we, we know that he rises back to life. And he's, by doing that, essentially saying, I've defeated death, sin, forever. And he's putting on full display on his death on the cross that he is God. This is, this is something that you and I could not do. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty confident that every person in this room will die. And we won't come back to life. There's not going to be a, a moment like this. Only one man has been able to do that, and that was Jesus. Now, 
Okay, the crucifixion not only proclaims his love, but his rule. And here's what I'm saying. When you look to the cross, don't look to the cross and, and I think PT challenged me with this. Don't look to the cross and just say, oh, I feel sorry for Jesus and leave it at that. But really what you want to do is, is feel sorry for the sin that put him there. And the sin that put him there is the sin that you and I both have. Every person in this room has sin within their life, and, and that is what's put Jesus there. Jesus went to the cross to remove that sin. Now, if the crucifixion wasn't enough, if, if, if that nailing to the cross wasn't enough, Jesus also endured an incredible amount of verbal abuse. Look at verse 27 through 32. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, Aha, you who could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, but he can't save himself? Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may believe. And those that were crucified with him also reviled him. I, I read that and, and I think about the story that I saw uh, on my Facebook. I was wasting some time on the internet um, and I think you, you guys do it too, I'm sure. Um, I'm, I'm looking at my Facebook and there's this uh, story about this woman. I don't know, for whatever reason, she believed that she needed to protect Donald Trump's star on the walk of you know, the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I don't know why, uh, but she, she felt like she had to like cover it up and protect it from people. And so there's this video of her trying to, to protect it, and there's all these people that are just attacking her. Like in the video, they're, they're like pushing her down, and they're calling her names, and they're, they're, they're just really just after her for, for a reason that I can't really explain. I couldn't pull it out from the video. And I kept watching it going, ah, oh, this is so painful. I can't believe it. Why are they doing this? This is wrong. And I read this account. I read this, what these people are doing to Jesus. And I, I can't help but feel the same. Because remember, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been beaten almost to death, then forced to walk his cross through the city streets. And then they nail him to this piece of wood, hang him up. And remember, part of this is he's probably naked, completely and totally exposed to all of these people, and yet they're still calling him out. They're still mocking him. They're still not believing. And it makes me think of one of my favorite passages in the Bible, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53. And in this passage, the prophet Isaiah makes mention of the crucifixion in a prophecy, and he and he. And he says this, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. And there's something I want you to notice here. That substitution. He did it on our, on our behalf. He paid the price for us. Our, our, it says that our, our wounds are healed because of what he's done. The punishment that he endured, took away our iniquities, ours. You see, guys, what he did on the cross was, was he took our sins. He took them from us, but that only happens 
when you give him that, when you believe in Jesus, when you say, not only do I, I trust his life and say, oh yeah, there's a lot of good things that he said, but I also believe that he went to the cross, that he died, and then he rose to life. And when you believe those things and you say, I, I'm going to give my sin now to Jesus and say, I believe your sin is removed. What he did, he did on our behalf, guys. And there's lots of different ways that, that people react when we're confronted with our sin. Sometimes we get defensive and we say, no, no I, I want to defend what I just did. It, it wasn't really, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to cut her down. I didn't mean to talk gossip about that guy. Or maybe we kind of downplay our sin. Maybe we say, well, yeah, I mean, I, I try to serve my wife most of the time. She, you know, or, or, or maybe some of you at your job, like, you show up late a lot. I mean, I used to work at Starbucks, and there was a guy who, I, for whatever reason, believed that whenever the, the schedule said, like, 6 a.m., that meant, like, 7.30, like, kind of whenever he wanted to come. And I remember he would always have some excuse, like, God, you know what? Like, my car exploded on I-25 and burst into flames, and I escaped with my life. I'm here now. It's like, yeah, bud, but you're late again. And that's what we do with our sin, right? Sometimes we just kind of, we try to push it out and push it away. But here's the deal. Here's what we need to do with our sin. We need to take it to Jesus. We need to confess our sin. We need to repent of that and go to Jesus. And what I want you guys to see is this, that, that Jesus is calling us from the cross, Jesus is saying, guys, I'm here, I've died out of motivation for my love for you, putting on display that I'm truly God, and I'm taking your sin. You have to give it to him. You can't, you can't look away from the cross, you can't go around the cross, you can't go under the cross, you, you have to go to the cross, and, and that is where salvation is found. John 14 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. This is Jesus talking. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. There is no other way to salvation. There is no other way to be with God forever except through the cross, except what God has done at the cross. So if you want your sin to be taken away, I want you to do this. I want you first to look to the cross and I want you to, to see the incredible suffering that Jesus endured, but understand that he did it out of love for you. If you're here tonight and you're saying, well, I'm a pretty unlovable person, know this, that the, the grace of God is not beyond anyone. But also know that the grace of God is not, you know, unnecessary for you. It's necessary for everyone. Everyone needs the grace of God. Second, look to the cross and see that he's king. Understand that he is God, he is the king, and we need to yield to his rule and reign. We need to submit to who he is. And last, look to the cross and ask Jesus to take your sin. Don't, don't try to do it and fill your life with something else, to try to hide yourself in, in, in your career, hide yourself in your family, hide yourself in, in, in your extracurricular activity to say, hey, well, I'm going to go hike um, and just forget about my problems. No, instead hide your life in Jesus and give your sin to him. Will you pray with me? Father, we're overwhelmed 
with gratitude tonight for what we've just read, understanding that, that you went to the cross out of a motivation of love for us. You, you did that to put on full display that you are God. And what you did there, being, being a sinless person that walked this earth, doing something that we could never do, you died a death that we did deserve, and you did it on our behalf. So God, please, let us not leave this place without dealing with the cross, without understanding who Jesus is and what he's done and why he's done it. We love you. Amen.